Well, it's been a pretty good day so far, and uh, we appreciate our worship team leading us in to this time together, and uh, just a couple of things I wanted to share before we get rolling. First of all, yesterday was a great day. Had a great crew of help to come that came to work day, and I don't know if you've noticed our new addition up top, but please take that in. It's pretty cool. Uh, thanks to Jeff and Dwayne for taking care of all that and uh, the whole crew that came and got up way high and fixed it um, to the wall and did everything. Things are coming together outside. We did a bunch of work on the landscaping, and uh, it's all coming together, getting ready for Easter. And it's, uh, So I appreciate everybody's time yesterday and all that you gave. One other thing I wanted to mention is that... Um, if you are interested, if you're not on Facebook or do email very much or at all, uh, the 7-Up that we talk about with the announcements, the things that are coming up, they're available right back on the sound booth. There's a little pop-up stand. Um, it's just a half sheet with uh, the announcements of things that are going on at the church and some prayer requests as they come in. We'll update those as well, but if you want to grab that, you're welcome to do that on your way out. They'll be there every week for you, okay? I think that's all the housekeeping today. Today, we get to take a little inward dive into our hearts. The last few weeks, we've been talking about the Beatitudes, and um, those are more outward, right? Things that we do in order to um, show the world what the kingdom of heaven looks like on earth. And uh, it's more of an outward expression, the actions that we have today. It's an action, but it's an inward uh, dive. And it's something that we all, that, that none of us like, right? But all of us do. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but before, because today's topic kind of piggybacks on what we talked about yes, last week, and in case you weren't here, I wanted just to kind of hit a couple. I'm going to re-preach that one, and then we'll follow up with today's, if that's okay. We'll be done by about 2.30. All right? Um, but we said, uh, we were talking, we talked about the heart of perfection, right? That, that we should view people through the lens of love, through perfect love. And we said that, that perfection is not necessarily about legalism, right? The, the law and following everything, following the rules and the right order and it's regimented. Now, we want to obey the rules uh, when we're, that's, that's a good witness too. But that's not what perfection looks like. And, <clears throat> and that's not what helps us maintain a right relationship with God. It's one of the things, okay? And uh, we also talked about, it's not about being a perfectionist, right? Not, not somebody who um, is perfect, uh, then you can come to church. You, can't, you don't have to get your whole life together before Jesus will accept you, right? The, and because if we took a test, when everybody came in the door today, we all would have failed it, right? Because we all do stuff, we're all human, we're all very human, and we are not perfect. And so um, we, we also recognize that this, this idea of perfection is not uh, about never sinning again, okay? We have the capacity to sin because we're born with it. And because of our sin, that separates us from God. And because of grace, we have the ability to come close to God again. But instead, perfection is this. It's viewed through the lens of God's love. And that makes perfection, this concept and the idea, less about what we are doing and it's more about who we are loving. And, and we talked about this display of perfect love that the Father in heaven gives to us. And it's centered on the grace that he extends to us. That Jesus 
progresses from the old way of the law. He said it a whole bunch of times. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said. And he's talking about the old law the, in the Old Testament. It, and it's not about this con, in this context of crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. And, and rather, the purpose of the law uh, is to view it through the lens of love. And he extends it, and he takes the law that they know about, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament scripture, and he pulls it off the page for them. And he makes it a heart issue, and not just a uh, check-the-box issue, and do it in the right order. And, and at the end, uh, we, we looked at this picture of, of love. This is what perfect love looks like, right? This sums up God's love for us, the messy one. Right, the, the, the Bob the Builder messy one, that's our life, right? Who can agree to that? Amen. Yeah. And, and the one that's perfect, the one on the other side, is how God loves us, regardless. Regardless of this being our mess, this is how God views us in the lens of love. The messy one is how we view ourselves, right? All the insecurities, I fall short, I'm not good enough. I can't do it type of mentality. But the one on this side is, is how God views us, regardless of what we've done and who we are. And so that leads us into our topic today. Because the messy one is how we view ourselves, our, our opinions, our perceptions of others as well. And perfect love, the perfect one on this side, is how God wants us to see others. Because that's how he sees us. So we're, uh, we're talking, uh, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount today. But if you want to turn with me um, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, uh, we'll be starting there. Matthew chapter 7. And um, we're talking about something that we all dislike. Every single one of us don't like it. But it's something that we all do or have done in some more than others. And I think that you'll catch on. As we read. So today, the word of the Lord is from Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and at the same time, there's a plank in your own. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck eye. So today, we get to share a little bit about judging, judging others, and how we do that, and how others do that, and how we react to those things. So, first of all, how many of you like to have other people judge you? Yeah? Probably not, okay? And some of you are probably doing that right now. Um, and I get it. How many of you judge other people, though? Right? That's, that's the, the common balance that we, that we go with. And so, why is it that you think that we judge other people? Why do we do that? Here's a couple of reasons, I think. Um, probably not the only ones, but I think we're jealous. A lot of times we just judge other people because we're jealous. We don't, we don't miss it. How, everyone else is having more fun than we are, right? 
That's in, now listen, that's, Christians take that on the chin. Well, if I become a Christian, I won't be able to have any more fun, right? But that's, that's not the point. As a Christian, we judge other people. We do. It's one of our biggest downfalls, obviously. Um, but everyone's having more fun than we are, and we want to have that fun. Everyone else has more stuff than we do, and we want to have that stuff. Everyone gets better treatment than we do, and we want that treatment. We want others to, to acknowledge us that way, too. So we get jealous, and we look at other people's lives, and we're like, I'd like to have that, too. How about it? Um, and then we also we get pretty self-righteous sometimes. And so we get jealous, but we also get self-righteous. And we like to compare ourselves to other people all the time. And so we start to match up me versus them. But all the time, we keep God, who should be um, the one directing us, we keep God right over here in a box until we need him when it comes to our judgment. So we think that we can elevate ourselves, right? We want to elevate ourselves to bring someone else down. And in the meanwhile, meanwhile, we do everything we can to dumb down the holiness of God. And when we do that, we're trying just to elevate our personal holiness. Like, you didn't do it on your own, right? You didn't get to where you got today on your own. It's because of what God has brought you through, and he's the one that's directing your life. So um, the issue there is, you know, self-righteous people are typically pretty self, uh, unaware Right? They, they're not necessarily aware of what their life looks like and who they are. And so, uh, just so you know, guilty. Right? This guy right here. And, you know, so tell, I'll tell you this. You all are here in the room listening. But this sermon is for me today. I'm, t- I'm speaking to myself. And if you want to jump in and listen, that's on you. Okay? So, but I get on social media. I look at things that, you know, friends from high school or college or whoever that um, I'm like how you know how did they get that what's what's their deal what did they have to do to do that you know how do they afford this where do they how do they get to go on that trip they just came back from you know whatever and I you know I would never do those kind of things and I look at them like what in the world's wrong with you Paul Uh, but that's my self-righteousness my my self-righteous self exposed in full so please know that this is really just for me today. So let's take a look about what Jesus says about judging others. He's continuing the Sermon on the Mount. And for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, but what Jesus is doing in this talk that he gives is just he's dismantled generations of how the law is interpreted. He's dismantled how um, the, the idea of living a right relationship with God has been passed down from generation to generation. And all the do's and don'ts that you, don't, that you have to follow, even though we should be following the law, this is exactly how it's done. And then there's the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the high priests. They're the ones that are, they're the ones that are basically standing at the door checking the boxes and saying, well, no, you can't come in because that's the way it used to be. You have to have be right first. You have to have your sacrifice in hand. That shows your repentance. And, and he makes it about, instead of just the law on the page, he makes it about the condition of our heart. And when we don't, uh, that, that, we, um, that when we don't take the law to ex- its fullest extent, because it's pretty simple to say, do not murder, right? But then Jesus goes on to say, but I tell you, 
that even if you have murderous thoughts in your heart, it's the same as pulling the trigger. It's the same as doing the actual deed. I say, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But, even, but I say, if you've had lustful thoughts about that person, it's the same thing as doing it, right? It's the, the, the whole concept is it's real easy when it's on the page, when it's on the paper. And Jesus is telling us here that it's way more about your heart. And just because you don't actually do the, the physical action doesn't mean that you're not guilty of it. And so far, the Sermon on the Mount, has, it's just dismantled everything that they've listened to, that they've known as common or normal, and they've, they've, they're, they're probably sitting on the edge of their seat thinking, well, what's he going to say next? So he does. He says, do not judge, in verse 1. Do not judge, period. Right? How many of your Bibles have a period there? Do not judge, period, right? There's, except there's not a period there, is there? There's a comma. Yeah. And the comma gives us some balance to our judgments. And, and he says, do not judge or you will be judged. And, and to put it this way, when we judge, we have this scales, right? And we judge and it makes us feel this much better. But then we have the or... You will be judged. And it just brings us right back to the center. Because later in verse 2, it says, For the same way that you judge, if you judge at an 8, guess what you're going to do? You're going to also be judged at an 8. There's balance to it. And that comma says a lot. That, that you will be judged. Do not judge or you will be judged. And maybe to put it a different way, judge unto others as you would have yourself to be judged, right? That's the kind of how we should look at it. And how do you like to be judged? What's your favorite way for someone to judge you? Have you thought, ever, ever thought about that? Okay. You, your favorite way is probably you'd love to be put under a microscope and dismantled for everything you believe and who you are and the things that you said. Even though you said them three, you know, 13 years ago, right? Social media is, is awful for that. Uh, recruits, when I was in Mid-America, we would check their social media, the things that they say when they're young. And it just, what, that all happens. And it, it comes back to bite you sometimes. And you get judged. And so we love that, right? Here's, here's how I would like to be judged. I'll start. Not. I would not like to be judged. Right? I would like to be judged not. Just like, I like the first three words of James chapter 7. Do not judge, all right? So, but when we are judged, when somebody chooses to do that, we would like to set the parameters of that, right? So if we're going to be judged, and face it, it's going to happen, right? Here's how we would like that to happen. So when you're talking, people are judging you, say to them, listen, when you're judging me, please consider this. Consider my family background, all right? You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know where I've been. So consider my background, my upbringing, if you will. Uh, before you judge me, or while you're judging me, just know that that's a factor. Um, when, when you judge me, uh, understand the vast amount of past life experience that I have, okay? That's as probably civil as I can put it. We all have had some dark days, some storms we've gone through. So you gotta, when you're judging me, you got to consider that stuff too, right? Uh, because that's part of who I am. Maybe you, just, you need to consider the daily temptations that I deal with all the time. 
before you judge me, this is how you should do it. Uh, you should also consider all my insecurities, the, the shortcomings that I have that I know about, right? I'm judging myself over. So basically, you have to take into account my entire story. Consider all those things first, then you can judge me. Sound good? So next time someone tries to do that, just kind of sit out the, the, the parameters on how you would like to be judged. Maybe you should pass out cards because that was kind of long. But essentially, you don't want pe- what you want is you want people to be merciful, don't you? Despite your shortcomings, despite your upbringing, whether it was good or bad, despite your insecurities, despite your past life experience, you want people to be merciful. And we all have things in our lives that can be judged. Nothing is off the page, off, the, out of, off, off limits, right? And if you're self-righteous about it, then you don't even know what you're aware, that you're even aware of it. So we have to be very careful when we're judging that the, the people are, that you're judging, they're going through exactly the same thing you are. They're trying to give you their card. Here's how I want you to judge me. So think about these things first. And he continues in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And he's saying, listen, guys, others, uh, others have things in their lives too, right? We, we, all, we kind of all acknowledge it, and I think that they all kind of shook their head. Yes, we see the stuff in other people's lives, which means I probably have the same thing because they're looking at me. It goes both ways. We all fall short. We all have life experiences and temptations and insecurities that we're not proud of, that we don't know how to get through, and we don't always make the right decision every time. So why do we judge them? Because we're not supposed to. And if we do, we're going to get judged exactly the same way, right? And here's why. It's because it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to look at other people's problems and, well, good luck figuring that out. I'm over here. I'm perfect. I'm good. But I'm not very self-aware. Um, we, we, just, we think it's easier to look at their issues and point out their faults. And it's easier to find problems that they have and try and solve them all the while you deal with your own. Because it takes the pressure off of us, doesn't it? Right? Because, first of all, you have no control over their problems. So it takes the pressure off you. Whether you say good or bad things to them, it, it doesn't matter. You have no control over it. And so um, it becomes a distraction, basically, to avoid our own problems. And basically, it's easier to judge me, to judge someone else, and not myself, right? We just kind of put that, put ourselves on the back burner. And, and in verse 4 and 5, but Jesus asks us, listen, we want to see other people's problems. We want to see that. And uh, that's what he's asking. See your own problems first. Then you can help out, if, if that's what's appropriate. But first, see your own problems. Verse 4 and verse 5, um, he kind of unpacks that all a little bit. In verse 4, it says, How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye, all the time there's a plank in your own? Jesus, he's simply, he's asking this question to set up the next question. Right? He's setting up his point with these, and, and he tells them in verse 5, You hypocrites! You're hypocrites! Any, uh, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your other eye, your other's, another's eye. Not something someone loves to be called, right? 
hypocrite, and we don't like it because it's all on us. And we say something, and then we do the other. Then we do one thing, and we say another. That, I mean, essentially, that's what a hypocrite is. But in this definition of a hypocrite, in this context, Jesus is saying this. A hypocrite is someone that's more fascinated with other people's problems more than their own. And then you deal with that first. It's someone more preoccupied with fixing other people's issues more than their self. It's someone that sees what's wrong with everyone else and ignores the things that are wrong in their own lives. And he calls them hypocrites. And if this was, I didn't read the message today, um, but if it was in a, a different paraphrase, maybe the Paul paraphrase, it would just say, mind your own business. Mind your own business. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Mind your own business. Literally, mind to your own problems. And we look at verse 5, he says, you hypocrites, period. Or probably exclamation point, right? Right, Victor Borga fans? Nobody knows, anybody over the age of 40 might get that. Um, he says, you hypocrites, comma, first, and then he says first. Well, what does that mean? Right? This is not the end-all, be-all statement. It just says, you hypocrites, and he moves on to the next thing, right? Rather, it's the beginning of a solution. He calls them hypocrites for who they are, and it's what they're doing. But he says, first, which means that there's a list of action, right? You don't say first unless there's a second and a third or a fourth, right? He says, first, um, take that plank from your own eye. And because there's a first, there's going to be a, in this case, there's a then. He says, first, remove the plank from your own eye. And deal with the problems that affect your life. Deal with yourself. And, I mean, this is, this is personal today. Not, oh, I wish that so-and-so was here to hear this. Um, or I wish, you know, my kids, I wish they were sitting next to me so I could be them. This No, this is you. It's personal today on every level. And, and we need to take the plank from our own eye and do some self-evaluation. And deal with the problems that affect our lives. And take stock of the fact that you're not perfect. Therefore, you don't need to go looking for everyone else's problems to make sure that, they, that you feel perfect. And by taking this action, this pulling of the plank out of our own eye, we get some clarity. Go figure, right? If you have this big obstruction in your vision and you move it, you'll be able to see, right? I thought about uh, a way to... Um, to give this talk today with, you know, a big blinder right in front of me. So I couldn't see y'all, but I didn't want to miss out, so I didn't do that. Uh, but taking this action, it, it's so important because we, we eliminate the, the jealousy part, the self-righteous part of our lives, and we just, we deal with our own stuff, the things that we go through. So here's how it works. We see the sins of other people, and typically... It's easy to see that, right? You're like, oh, that's a red flag. But then we think, wait a minute, we flipped it, we flipped it over. Do I do that? Instead of condemning them and judging them for whatever it was they did, we think, oh, do I do that? And then you, if you can honestly say to yourself that you do, then you work on that. You, you surrender that. And instead of launching those judgment gr grenades, 
into everybody else's life and trying to ruin that. We look at our own lives. We see our own issues of sin. And, because, and we address those first because that's what it says. Jesus says, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. And, when, and then I surrender because that's what this is all about today. I deal with the spiritual issues in my life. And I become a better person because of it. That's the clarity part. And, and when, I, when I'm, my life is a little more spiritually regulated, if you will, I've taken the plank out of my eye and I can see the whole picture of God that's in front of me, then I have clarity and I can see what's going on without judgment. And I have this, this ability to help other people through their stuff judgment-free. Because I don't have that obstacle in my way, the obstruction in my sight. And, uh, and notice we say we help them through it. It's not, okay, we judge them first, then we kind of do our, our part to clean up a little bit of the mess and then walk away. That's not the case. We help them through their issues. More plainly said, um, here's how the plank comes out, and we start to be more self-aware of those things. Um, I can see other people's messed upness. And because of it, I identify my own messed upness. That's the way it should work. That's how we pull the plank out of our eye. I surrender my own sins. I can have some clarity now, walking through the issues of others, judgment-free. And let's be honest, who, who has a friend? Just think about it. Who has that friend that despite all the stuff that you've done or do or are doing, just kind of comes up and puts their arm around you. Say, I'm here. Whatever it takes, right? I'm here to do that. That means the plank's gone, right? There, there's sawdust everywhere. Maybe, the, and the sawdust tells you there's not a whole lot of wrong. When we have this big problem in front of us, we want to avoid that. We got to take that out. Because, let's be honest, following Jesus being a Jesus follower, being a Christian, someone who's trying to do what Jesus wants us to do, who's trying to live out the will of God in our lives, it's never about what's in it for me. It's all about fixing me, surrendering, and helping other people understand that. Remember, it's my responsibility. When we talked about peacemakers, it's my responsibility that others know that the peace of God is available for them. So as we wrap up today, um, there's three things that, that judgment does for us and to us, okay? Three things. The first one is it, it happens when you judge. You judge somebody, right? And when we do that, this is what we're telling them subliminally, okay? You size them up and then you write them off, okay? You size them up and you write them off. Because if the sins of, the, of other people, um, if they don't break your heart, then it's quite possible that the plank is not gone. It's quite possible that your heart has never been broken over your own sin. And so you just kind of all wrap it together and you sin together. If the, the sins of others don't break your heart, doesn't mean that we judge them. It just means that it, it, it hurts us. Spiritually, when people don't do what God wants them to do, when they go against the will and acts of God, that when, when it doesn't break our heart, a lot of times it's because there's things in our life that haven't broken our own heart yet, that we haven't, that we haven't dealt with. 
And, and here's a story. Hell's for real. And if, if we judge other people, we, we size them up and then we write them off, we're just telling them, you're not important enough to receive the blood of Jesus. And that's where they're going to end up. If we don't pull the plank out of our own eye and find a way to help them through it. We can't write other people off, but it means that we have to deal with our own. Our heart has to be broken to our own sin. And that starts with some repentance. And so if our heart isn't broken over our own sin, it's a time for us to repent and tell God, you, you got to have this because I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. I've done this. And what happens? The plank comes out. And then what happens? Goes to everybody. And you can see clearly. So we also can judge and what happens then is we size people up and we just walk away. We just leave them, right? And if I have the plank out of my own eye, I've surrendered my own problems, my own sins, I've done that, then I have the responsibility to help others address their issues as well, to, to sweep away the sawdust. But remember, there's a process. There's a first First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then a then. Then you'll be able to see clearly. So there is judgment involved, but it's judgment through the perfect lens of love, right? And so if we judge and we size them up and we walk away, we've, we've told them, you're not, you're not worth it, okay? Because I can see clearly now the plank is out of my own eye. When I judge, I have uh, the ability to understand a little more the problems that others go through and help them confront those issues with love in extending grace in perfect love because that's how that's that's the nice picture on this side right and then what happens when you're judged you're judged and then you've been you've been sized up and you refuse to listen because of it you're like no way. That's not me. I can't, I, I can't believe you said that. So what if you're the sawdust person, right? And someone else is taking the plank out of their eye, their eye and they just say, hey, you're, you need to deal with this. This is important. Um, it's hurting your relationships. I see it. It's hurting your job, whatever the case is. And it gets in our way. And, and someone points it out because they confront you. What do you do? Like you get defensive, right? You probably will quote the uh, do not judge to them, right? That's what we'll do we'll, with the period, not with the comma. Yeah, we, we, that's how we do it. We tell them to mind their own business. This is not for you. Just, and, and, and you try and move on. But in your heart, the Holy Spirit has dinged your heart a little bit. And you know, yeah, they're right. And it might take some time. They tell you that, and then you, well, you go home, and you're like, oh, man. They hit the nail on the head. And, and it, that kind of defensiveness, if we allow that kind of defensiveness to rule in our lives, it ensures that our past will continue to show up in our future. And we don't want that. We don't want the things of our past that are detrimental to our walk with Christ and our relationship with God to be in the way. And that requires us to listen. 
and listening to others, listening to God, that's hard because it requires us to kind of dismantle ourselves and take a look at us and the things that we don't want to look at. We're happy to, when, you know, when we're encouraged by God, oh yeah, that's awesome, great. But when God approaches us for something that we have to work on, that's hard. It's real hard. And when we focus on the speck of dust that are in the other people in other people's lives, we shift away from the plank that's in our own eye. And because of that, we discover how far we have to go to the standards of God that God has set for us as Jesus followers. That most importantly, though, we're reminded of the immense amount of grace that God gives to us. Because there are no planks in his eyes. He just sees. He sees it all. And it shows how far his grace will go to save us. So these 40 days of Lent, right, they're, they're intended for us to address these types of things. They're, they're intended for us to take time of immense self-reflection. That's why we fast. Those cards are in the basket, too. That we gave, The things we gave up during um, at, on Ash Wednesday, that Wednesday night, that those are the kind of things that we try and get rid of in our life so we can have a better view of what God wants in our life, that we become less self-reliant on Him, on ourselves, and more reliant on Him, right? So it, that's what this, this time of Lent does for us. And we do it on purpose because we want to focus our hearts, and we can celebrate on Easter with a clear heart with no plank in our eye and no sawdust in our life and and the purpose it just is to reveal the place that we fall short and and allow God to work on us it's a season of removing those planks that's what we give up that's what we fast and that removing the plank it requires what surrender first of all we have to acknowledge that it's even there right we're not just like well I can't see get it out no, it's there. It's right in your face. And it's staring you in the, in the eyes and it's telling you, I'm here and I'm going to mess your life up as long as you, you let, let it. And it tells us we have to stop looking for the speck in other people's eyes when this thing is in our face and we keep trying to look around it for the problems of others, right? It tells us that we have to acknowledge our own sin and surrender it to ask, repentance, ask for forgiveness. And us sitting still in our lives for these 40 days, this time of reflection, us, us sitting still is the standard. We have to do that for God to refine our hearts. Sometimes we just got to take the deep breath and relax. Um, when uh, we lived in Olathe, I was the director of Upward, and we had uh, basketball practices every night. We had, to, uh, we had these adjustable basketball goals, and we had to Crank them up and down, you know, if you've done the crank thing to different levels because each, each group had a different, each age level had a different height. Well, in order to be more efficient, we designed this little socket and drill, and we drilled it up and down, made it really fast, and it was easy, and it was fun, but it wore it out, and, and the gears on it, the, the threads on it started to get warped, and stuff would fall down. Um, off, the, off the spool when it was coming down. And one time I was doing it, I got a shard of, gla- of, of metal in my eye. And it was awful. You know, if you got something in your eye, you hate it, right? It's hard. And it, bu- it messes with your whole body. 
It's not just this part, and you, you know, like, it waters all the time. It's annoying is what it is. And so I go to the doctor. That was on a Saturday. I go to the doctor on a, on a Wednesday because that's how stubborn I am. But I go to a doctor on a Wednesday, and um, he says, oh, yeah, I can get that out. No problem. I see it. You could literally see it on your eye. And uh, he says, so here's what I'm going to do. I got this needle, a syringe, and that's usually the best way to get it. I'm just going to, uh, all I have to do is just probably touch the tip of that syringe to the piece. It'll just kind of stick because of the moisture on it and everything. And so what he told me was, what I need you to do is to bob your head up and down and run around the room really fast. And I'll, I'll just kind of chase you and I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I've done it before. I'll get it. It's kind of like throwing a dart at a moving target, right? No, what did he say? Sit still. Matter of fact, he said sit really still. Because this needle, and you could see it because your eyes open, right? Here it comes. And he got it out. And it was awesome. But you had to, he said, you got to breathe because that moves your head. Every little thing matters. And I didn't want to get poked in the eye with something else. I already had something poking me in the eye, right? So I had to sit still. And that, that's what we have to do. And the idea is so he could focus on getting what was in, our, what was in my eye out. And that's what we have to do. That's what we're going to do today. Um, when, when we become people who have done the work of removing the plank out of our own eye, we can in turn become the compassionate people that God's called us to be. And to seek out those with the speck in their own eye and, and judgment-free, help them through whatever they need. And that's what, we, that's what perfect love looks like, right? That, that we can deal with our own stuff, we surrender that to Christ. That's what discipleship looks like, that we are able to continually grow day after day. And the, the bumps and bruises that we get along the way, they happen but we have, some, we have a Savior that's right there with us. And so today, we're going to take a little time of reflection. Um, and we've done it before. It just takes 38 seconds. And it's, we're going to sit still. And we're going to sit in silence. And the idea is this. The idea is that we take this time in self-reflection. And we look for the planks. In our own eye. We surrender those things. We're not worried about what your kids are doing or your spouse is doing or what happened at work. What we're doing is working on pulling the plank out of our own eye. Allow God to refine that part of your heart today. And so it's going to be 38 seconds and it's going to be the quietest thing ever. On the podcast, it'll sound like the, the machine broke. On the live stream, everybody's going to be like, I can't hear anything. Right, because it's going to be silent. And we're not going to move. So uh, when I was a kid's pastor, I made everybody sit up straight, put their hands in their lap. But I want you to find a posture that is going to allow you to not be distracted. Whatever that looks like. Okay? And we're going to take 38 seconds just to focus and listen to what God wants to do how we can remove that plank and surrender our lives to you. Then we're going to pray, and then we're going to be done. Okay? So it starts right now.
Father God, we're, we're sorry when we look at other people's lives and totally forget about our own and the issues that we face and the things that we do that don't line up with what you want us to. And it is easy for us to point out the faults and the, the problems of others so we can avoid dealing with our own. It's a personal thing. And Father, I just pray that you will help me to take the plank out of my eye every day that I am able to see clearly how you want me to help others, how you want me to love others through their problems, through their sin, through the bumps and, and uh, uh, obstacles of their lives, knowing full well that you're preparing someone to do the same thing for me. And Lord, we're thankful that you see us through the perfect lens of love and that even though we do sin, even though we do um, build up ourselves to tear others down, even though we try and lock you up and put you away until we absolutely need you, God, you're there for us. And because of the plank in our eye and the sins in our lives, the things that we do, we're separated from you. And we're just so thankful for the grace of Jesus that allows us to come to you. And as we'll celebrate in just two weeks on Easter Sunday, your comeback and, and the ability that we have now to approach your throne, to be with you in eternity. Father, help us to surrender our lives, every piece of it, to you. And that you will work through us and in us every day to help others see that they can receive the peace of God as well. So as we go this week, we just pray that you'll help us to address our own problems first, that the plank comes out, and that we're able to see clearly how you want us to be. We love you so much. We're thankful, Father, for all that you do in our lives. And we're very careful at the end of every day, in the moment, Father, when you help us, and we'll, that we'll recognize that was you, God, and we'll celebrate that, and we'll be so thankful. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you this week, hopefully at intermission. Don't forget to be inviting your friends to be a part of our Easter gathering. And we will see you next time. God bless.